0: Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded February 28th, 2023. I'm Lori Calvasina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. Today in the podcast, a refresh on our 2023 outlook. Three big things you need to know. First, we're sticking with our $4,100 year 2023 S&P 500 price target. We continue to see this year as another in a messy post-crisis normalization period, similar to the 2010-2011 and 2002-2003 backdrops. Second, we see a relatively balanced risk-reward between growth and value for the balance of the year, though growth is likely to bear the brunt of renewed inflation and Fed fears very near-term. Third, we continue to prefer small to large, though we admit that the setup for small caps is less compelling than it was back in last July when we turned overweight small cap. At the time, that was a controversial call. If you'd like to hear more, here's another six minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Now the details. Takeaway number one. We're sticking with our year-end 2023 S&P 500 price target of 4,100. Our forecast is unchanged since we introduced it last October, and is roughly the average of six different models. Our most optimistic test puts the index at just over 4,400, and our least optimistic test puts the index at just over 3,800. Overall, the range of outcomes is a little lower than our last update. Generally, we're looking for 2023 to be one of very modest gains in the S&P and see the year as part of the messy post-crisis normalization that investors must endure, similar to 0203 and 2010-2011. Until recently, the S&P 500 in 2022-2023 has been tightly correlated with the 0203 path, suggesting that a pullback that does not break below the October lows might be overdue. Regardless, we think the path to 4100 is likely to be bumpy, as earnings forecasts get cut more, the moderation and inflation proves to be uneven, investors await a way to transition in Fed policy. Stocks often fall ahead of final hikes if you look back to the 70s, and as investors digest the onset of a challenging economy. One stat we really like in our targeting process is that the median return for the S&P 500 has been 0% in years where real GDP is in the 0 to 2% range, as current consensus forecasts are anticipating. Key challenges that we see include ongoing angst over inflation and Fed policy, debate over whether a recession will emerge in 2024, we think it's just too early to have too much visibility here, the debt ceiling, which is typically a problem in the summer and fall for stocks, and the geopolitical backdrop for both China and Russia, Ukraine, which seems to be worsening. We remain less worried about the impact of falling 2023 EPS forecasts on stock market performance than other strategists, given that stock prices tend to bottom three to six months before positive earnings revisions return, and that in downgrade cycles, most cuts tend to happen by April. Buy side expectations have been lower than sell side expectations for quite some time as well. Several investors told us last fall they were anticipating 205 to 210 on earnings, as opposed to the sell side's current forecast of 223. Our work also suggests that last year's price declines in the S&P were baking in the considerable earnings challenges that stocks are going through in 2023. The idea that stocks no longer look attractive relative to bonds is definitely a drag on our forecasts, as is the idea that 4Q22 midterm rally in the S&P 500 pulled forward some of 2023's gains. Money flows are also favoring non-U.S. equities over domestic equities to start the year. But it's worth noting that U.S. valuations are starting to look less problematic relative to Europe again. All that being said, the sentiment setup has been positive. Retail investors came into the year deeply bearish on the AAII survey, a bit worse than pandemic lows, and at levels that in the past have been followed by a 15% 12-month forward gain in the S&P 500 in the past. Our recovery in sentiment has started, but only appears to be middle innings. And even with the recent move up in inflation and Fed fund expectations, our valuation model, based on data going back to the 60s and which is baking in 3% inflation, 3.5% on the 10-year, and 5% on Fed funds at year-end 2023, is still making the case for just a little bit of multiple expansion this year. Overall, we feel neutral on the stock market from here with our year-end forecast calling for a little bit of upside. That's not the most exciting call to be sure, but it is one that we feel is the right way to think about things. Moving on to takeaway number two. We see a balanced risk reward between growth and value and large cap through year end, despite incremental pressure on growth near term from renewed Fed in- inflation fears. Arguments currently in favor of value include first, value looks a little better from a balance sheet perspective with receding short term and long term debt levels. Second, growth has turned slightly expensive versus value again, with the growth value relative P.E. now slightly above its long-term average as of February. This is a change from the end of last year when the growth value P.E. ratio was back at its long-term average. And third, major crises tend to usher in shifts in leadership between growth and value. Meanwhile, arguments that we see in favor of growth include first, earnings revision trends have turned a little stronger in growth and value again, reversing conditions in place last year. Second, growth has a bit more international exposure than value, at least in large cap, and has benefited from renewed interest in international markets and in the weakening dollar. And third, historically when economic growth has been sluggish, growth outperforms value. We continue to think a sluggish economic backdrop is the price will pay for a short, shallow, or barely averted recession this year. Admittedly, in the end, this trade may come down to the direction of 10-year yields. Wrapping up with takeaway three, we continue to prefer small caps over large caps, but admit the setup is less favorable for small caps than it was when we upgraded them to overweight last July. Beyond the likelihood that the Russell 2000 is likely to hold up better than the S&P in the short term, as large cap growth comes under pressure again due to inflation and Fed fears, there are still a few reasons why we still see opportunity in small caps right now. First, valuations still look appealing for small relative to large. Second, small caps still have room to run on their own P.E., which is only back to the long-term average after hitting typical troughs last summer of 11 times. Third, money flows have been more favorable for small cap to start the year. And fourth, tighter high yield spreads have supported the small cap trade from a macro perspective. Here's why we think the setup for small caps isn't quite as strong as it was last summer. First, earnings revisions are no longer stronger in small than large. We think that's largely due to less US dollar pressure on large cap earnings. Second, there's less interest in US domestic markets, as interest in international markets has picked up. And third, small caps have started to bake in an economic recovery early, unlike last summer when they were baking in today's economic challenges. To the extent 2024 recession concerns spike, small caps could be in the crosshairs. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to reach out to your RBC representative with any questions. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded, and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.